Amen. We'd like to welcome all of our guests today. If you're guests worshiping with us this morning, we're so glad you're here. We welcome you this morning. Amen. And if you are a, joining us on theantioch.com, we welcome you into our broadcast. And if you're homesick watching us, we pray health and strength to you today in Jesus' name. There was a, a farmer that went into town to get some seeds to plant his garden. On his way back, the seeds were on his cart as he was traveling down the road. Several of the seeds fell off onto the ground and landed next to some other seeds. Both seeds fell in the same ground. A week later, the farmer came back and the squash seed that had fallen off his cart had begun to sprout a little bit, but the other seed had not. He came back several weeks later, and now that squash plant had begun to grow. The other seed, there was nothing to see. He came back a while later, and now that squash plant had grown, and now it's beginning to produce fruit. The other one, nothing came back a little while later and finally that fruit was ripe ready to be harvested the other seed nothing came back a month later now the squash plant began to wither go away and right ground the other seed had begun to sprout just a little bit came back a while later the squash plant was now gone and coming out of the ground was a little sprout eventually that sprout would turn into an oak you see a lot of times our faith is like that we want we want it to come quick fast and grow we want it to come and bring fruit immediately but some things in life take a little time the stuff that lasts may not show up right away the stuff that will, will, will withstand storms and time and day-after-day pressures, they don't come right away. It takes some time. You have your Bibles today. You turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And let's, uh, oh, let's try verse 6. Let's start there. That would be a good place to jump in. Colossians 2, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Rooted, everybody say rooted. Rooted and built in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to read another passage of Scripture. And before I do that, I'll give you the context of it. It's the very first psalm. Psalm was a, a book mostly accredited. There are several other authors that pen the Psalms, but most of the Psalms were accredited to David. And in this particular Psalm, the very first Psalm, we find a contrast that is laid out before us of the believer and the unbeliever. Many times in Psalms, you see that narrative played out on many occasions where there's a contrast between the life of a believer and the life of the unbeliever. And it starts right here in the very beginning, Psalms 1 and verse 1. 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whosoever he doth shall prosper, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. That verse there, verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Before I give you my title today, because it's going to seem like a shock to you when you see it, but let me explain what it comes from. The fact of the matter is that most of us in here today are striving to succeed. We're, tri- we're striving to be a success. We, we're going to work. We're doing things. We're going to school. We're trying to better ourselves because we want to be a success. But I have come to tell you today, you were built to fail. You were built to fail. That's a shock to us because we are supposed to be built to succeed, right? You can go to the bookstore and walk down aisles of books that tell you how to be a better you, how to become seven steps to becoming the best you, how to succeed. But really, you and I were built to fail. Don't shout me down with that statement here. Because we want to hear, you know what? Go succeed. You can do it. You can make it. You can succeed. But really, we were built to fail. We were built to fail. Because God says in His Word that he remembers our frame, that it's dust. God knows our framework is built for failure. Guess who made that framework, Brother Cassius? Who made you and I? Not the monkeys. Not the amoebas that floated out of the water. Who made you and I? God made you and I. God made me with failure inside of me. Oh, this is totally anti everything you've heard on the radio and TV. God put failure in me. God designed my framework for failure. Because he says, I remember that you're just dust. It was like, it was even like patting us on the head. I remember that you're just, you're, you're, I made you to fail. In fact, the Bible says 
in James that there are things inside of us that are warring in our members. That the things that we do just don't come out of the air. I'm paraphrasing in James 4. But the things that we do don't just come out of the air. But they start from inside of us. The deeds that we do, the things that we do, the, the dark places that we go, so to speak. They don't just come out of midair. But they start from inside of us. But, Tony, God built me that way. God built me that way. I was, a couple weeks ago, in prayer, just kind of sitting and meditating. And this thought hit me. I know it's not a brilliant thought, but God made flesh. God made flesh. Now I know in the garden his intent wasn't for flesh to become corrupt, but he put things in flesh. And weaknesses in flesh. God made you and I this way. Why did he do all that? Why did God build me to fail? Do you know what the worst thing that can happen for a person. You know the worst thing. Not murder. Not, not, not some crazy crime. Not all the stuff that you would think. You know the worst thing that can happen for you today? Is for you to have success without God. The worst thing you can do today is find success without God. The worst thing for you today is to find some semblance of happiness without prayer. The worst thing for you to do is to go through life and find success without God being first and foremost. That's why the Bible says the hardest thing a person to be saved is a rich man. Why? Because a rich man can buy his way out of failure. I can't buy my way out of failure. And the worst thing that can happen for you and I today is to succeed without God. Because the moment I begin to succeed without God, guess what happens? My need for God is diminished greatly. Most of us are sitting in this room today, not because of our successes. We're sitting here today because of our failures. It wasn't your success that drove you to Calvary. It was your failure that drove you to Calvary. It wasn't the fact that everything in life was perfect that drove you to an altar. It was the fact that you needed something in life that you were missing that drove you to an altar. It wasn't the fact that everything in life was perfect that caused you to lift up your hands and say, God, I need you to fill my heart. It was the fact that inside of you, you knew it didn't matter how hard you tried. It didn't matter how hard you worked. It didn't matter how much money you made, how much success you had. There were some of you in here today that when you came to God, you weren't messed up. We always talk about the worst case scenario, you know. I was down to my last three pennies. You know, I, I was this and I was that. And, and I, I came in here and I had only the clothes on my back and someone pushed my car up the hill and it was just the end of it all. And, and I had no food left. I mean, I had a bottle of water and that was it. That's all I had left. But God saved me. Woo! But some of you had jobs, success, success. 
But you knew down inside, something ain't right here. Because if I have all this, the, what, what the world's telling me is the, is the vision of success, is the vision of happiness. Why can't I find happiness now that I have all that? But to know you and I today are built to fail. And you know what? God, in His love and His mercy, do you know what He likes to do? He likes to put us in situations to cause us to fail. You know, being a parent teaches you a lot about God. It does. Being a parent and the relationship you have with your child, in a lot of ways, teaches you a lot about God because if... One of my daughters come to me and, and said, can I do this? And I said, well, no, you, you, you can't do that. But, but Dad, I, I could do it. I know if they try it, they're going to fail. But they want to do it their way. They don't want anyone help. They, they're they're going to figure it out, especially my oldest, who's a little more willful as, than the other ones at this point in life, saying it kindly. We're working on it. You know what, finally you say to her, you know what, do it. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Because I know that in just a little while, they're not going to be able to do it. And they're going to come to me. And now they're going to come to me. And no matter how I do it, they're going to be willing to do it. You know, we were trying to put up, we were trying to put up a, a picture in our girl's room yesterday. And... Our oldest daughter was flipping out. Now, we, now listen, when we do a picture in our house, let me just lay this out for you, okay? My wife, she's ducking her head now. She knows where we're going. She is a perfectionist, okay? So when we put a picture up, we're not into that eyeballing nonsense. Oh, that looks good enough. We get the laser level, the level, the tape measure. We call NASA. We get calculators. I mean... We are going to find the precise place for that nail to be placed. It's going to be, I mean, you're going to be able to do scientific measurements off that nail because it's going to be in the exact place. So we have all our, our, our scientific equipment out, and we're trying to get this nail, I mean, in the absolute perfect spot. And my 8-year-old is behind me telling me, that's not the right place. That's in the wrong spot. That's it. She can't even read a tape measure. She has no idea what a level is. And she's arguing with me about how... No, you're not supposed to do it that way. That's not the way it's supposed to go. You, you can't do it that way. Finally, in the frustration, we look, you say, you know what? Do you want to do it? Would you like to do it? Because she's going to get up there, no clue what she's going to do. And you know what she'll do is finally say, well, I don't know how to do it. You do it. And now I get to do it whatever I want to. She won't argue. I can do whatever I want to. And we understand that with an eight-year-old. The light bulbs are going off right now. People said, that's why. God, I, I got to do this. It's got to be this way. God, no, no, no. But God, why can't it be this way? You got to let me do it this way. 
All right. I can't tell me how many times, Brother Jolin, that God has led me down, or not led me down, he allowed me, I put it that way, a better way, allowed me to go down a path I thought was the right path, only to lead me to failure. But to know the fact that that failure calls me to go back to him and say, okay, Lord, you know what? I'm taking all the restrictions off. Whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, I'm willing to do it. How many of us put God in boxes and say, okay, God, you got to do it this way. But when that comes crashing down, you finally say, God, whatever you want to do is good. But David writes this beautiful psalm here that contrasts the ungodly and the godly. He makes the statement that those who are living godly will be like a tree planted by the waters. And we get this beautiful image of this tree planted by the waters, but... In the Hebrew, which is what the original wording was, we translated out of the Hebrew and the English, that word planted doesn't mean what we would consider to be, like take a seed, put it in the ground, let it plant. That word actually means to be transplanted. Not to start from scratch, but to start somewhere else and realize that's not the place and be transplanted into a healthier location. Because in David's world, it was a very arid, arid and rocky world. It wasn't a world where there was water in abundance. And so if you wanted something to grow, it had to be grown by a water source. If it was grown somewhere else, it'd become very scrubby and very unhealthy. It wouldn't be green and lush. And the Bible says, even in that scripture, that the, that the leaves would never wither. And so in David's world, the water was everything. So he says, you started off in a dry and arid place where there wasn't much water that couldn't sustain your life, but you are now transplanted from that place to be transplanted into a spot where there is a river that flows and supplies a continuous source of life. And when I'm by that continuous source of life. The Bible goes on to say that my tree will never wither. My question to you today, and this is not very deep, but the question you do is, where is your life planted? Because you know what? Where your life is planted will answer that question. Because Today, if your life is planted anywhere else but by the river, you're built to fail. I can tell you today that you're going to succeed and you can do all things and you're going to do this and do that. And yes, it's true. It's true. God wants you to become a blessed person. God wants you to do this. God wants you to do that. But he wants to do it with you standing on his shoulders. Not dictating the terms if you want this year if you want to become what god wants you to become which if you're here today i hope that's somewhere down on the list of your priorities if you want to become what god wants you to become how do i do that i've got to do it being planted in the right place because you know what can i be honest with you 
Last year was not the best year for me, my family. In fact, if I could put it on the list, it'd be right up there next to the worst year. I wasn't one of those ones that when 2014 was winding down, I was sad. I was excited. Get rid of that. Put it in the past. Let's move on. It was, a, it was, it was forgive me for saying it this way, but a lot of ways it was the year from hell. It was the year that kept on giving, but not giving good things. It just kept coming. But you know what i got to admit to you today? Last year, I don't want to go back, Mike, and repeat it at all, but it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about some things that I thought were pretty cemented in me, weren't quite as firm as I thought. Because you see, nothing brings out what's inside of you like stress, difficulty, hurt, pain. Nothing reveals what's going on inside of you. Because we can all feel great about ourselves when everything in our life is going perfect. I got to admit, I learned a lot about me this year that I didn't want to learn. I found out there was a lot more junk inside of me than I realized was still there. I found out there, there were some closets that had gotten for, that had forgotten about. The key had been lost. But God broke the doorknob and said, here's some stuff that's still in there. I learned a lot about the fact that that there were some things that I thought I was doing one way, but really found out I was doing the other way. Because you know what? When everything's going perfect, boy, I can feel great about my spiritual health, right? I can come to church and skip, clap, and dance, and shout, because everything is... But all of a sudden, when things start to go wrong... I found out, do I really pray? Hey, hey, I'm just being honest with you folks. I found out a lot of my prayer time had gotten a little bit religious. God, I'm just doing some work today because, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Because they're really, really, you know, I didn't really need God. We're really, really, I, you know, I was making it okay, you know. If people got sick, we just went to the doctors. If, if this was a problem, I got that. And, you know, I was figuring it all out pretty good. You know, I was, I was watching the ball inside the shell. I, was, I knew where it was, you know. Every time I stopped, ah, it's there. Woo, there. Oh, there. I, fig- I had it all figured out. But all of a sudden, when everything in life is going shh, I realized some things. I realized that, that over a while I had fallen into some habits and some ways of doing things. And if it wasn't for failure, I would have never realized some things inside of me that needed to change. 
And some of us, God has brought us down the path or is leading us down the path to failure, not to punish us, not to sit back and say, ah, 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 look what you did, but to say, look, if I don't let you fail, you'll never come to me to allow me to fix what's wrong. And the, there's some of us in here today that are trying to avoid never making a mistake. You know what? My, my parents were great growing up. You know what my parents never did? They never tried to make my life perfect. You know what they always allowed me to do? They always allowed me to make mistakes. They always allowed me to make mistakes. They allowed me to make wrong choices, even when they knew they were wrong. They allowed me to do it. Why? Because it was in those wrong choices that I learned things I would have never learned throughout that. I'm looking across this room today and, and over the last couple of weeks we've had a couple of chances to do some, some driving and my wife and I have we've done, we've done we've talked a bunch about a lot of things and you know what the sad thing is a lot of us we know a lot about this God stuff in our head. But very few of us know it in our hearts. You say, well, that, what, that, you really think we come to church every week? Yeah, we do. We come to church every week. But show me in that book we're coming to church somehow gives us some kind of special Badge to wear around. What good is it if we come to church? I've used this illustration before, but I use it again because it's such a great visual. If I told you, listen, I want to make a deal with you this year. All right, me and you, this is the 2015 way of doing things. I'm going to let you come Sunday at 10 o'clock. You can eat. Whatever you want. This room is going to be a massive buffet. I mean, you're going to be able to have everything. We're going to have the meat station. We're going to have the little guy with the hat with the carving station over there. We're going to have our dessert station over here. We're going to have all kinds of fixings through here. We'll have everything you want. And for two hours from 10 to 12, you can eat and eat and eat and eat. I mean, you could just eat it all up. But as soon as noon rolls around, you can't eat again till next Sunday. No, 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 no. But you can have everything you want for those two hours. Eat. I mean, we'll, we'll have it all. We'll, we'll prepare. You don't even have to prepare. You just show up and we'll give it to you. In fact, we'll have servers that will bring it to your table. We can, well, you can eat. You can eat so much that you're like, listen, I cannot put anything the other day I was so full, I asked the, the lady came, she said, can you have dessert? I said, can we rub it on the outside? Because that's about as close as it can get. I'm so full. You can do that. You can get so full for two hours. But no, no, no. You can't take a doggy bag home. As soon as 12 rolls around, you've got to go out the door. You can't eat again or drink again the next week. 
Not one per person in this place would volunteer for that. Because we all know, I, I can't live that way. That's our thought. Well, I, there's no way I could live that way. Do you know how hard that would be? Do you know I'd probably get sick and I'd get weak and, and I'd probably end up in the hospital and, and I may be able to make it for a couple weeks, but after a while, and what do we most of us say? Well, it'd probably kill me, right? If we think that way naturally, what do you think we're doing to ourselves spiritually? I don't know why I just can't seem to get anywhere in God. I don't know why I feel so weak. I don't know why I can't feel. You're living on a two-hour-a-week diet. Of course you can't get stronger. Of course you're not going to go anywhere. If all you eat is two hours a week, you can't get stronger. Do you realize that if you don't eat, your body starts eating itself? It starts turning on itself and starts eating itself. And the things, you can be big and strong with great muscles, but if you don't eat, your body will turn on those muscles and eat it. And that's why some of you who once were strong are weak now because you stopped eating every day. And where you used to have big, strong, spiritual muscles who could withstand the gates of hell, now they've been withered away and eaten away. And you know what? There were some that started last January 1st sitting here that aren't here today. And unfortunately, some of you who are sitting here today listening to me may not be here again next year listening to me or whoever. Why? Because you can't sustain a walk with God when you only eat once a week. You can't find success when you only eat once a week. Why? Because you're built to fail. You're built to fail. And if all our diet consists of in God is that two-hour-a-week window, it doesn't matter how amazing. I mean, I could give you the best, your favorite food today. What's your, if I ask you that, what's your favorite food? Well, this is my favorite food. I could fly in the best chef in the world who made your food. If that was Mr. Papa John's or whoever it was who made your favorite food. That's me, pizza. I love pizza. I could fly Mr. Papa John's himself to come here and make my pizza. It could be the best tasting pizza in the world. But if that's all I get for that week, what good is it? I can be or whoever can be the best preacher in the world. We can have the best music in the world. We could, we could, God could come down and visit this place in the flesh. But if that only happens once a week in your life, what good is it? What good is it? What good is it in your life? How is that? And you know what? When that happens, guess what happens? It becomes religion. It just becomes about filling a time, punching a time clock, paying my dues, doing what? What do I, what's the least amount, preacher, I need to do to get to heaven? 
tell me what I have to do to sneak in the door. Well, unfortunately, the Bible says that the righteous scarcely be saved. So I can't give you a minimal amount, folks. I'm doing my best to get there and hoping I get there. But my question to you is, where are you planted today? We really need to take a moment here, and I'm not going to go much longer because I haven't come to, to beat you up today. I've come to challenge someone today to take an inventory of your life, to be honest with yourself for once. To really, to really take a, to an inventory. I, 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 we've dealt with several situations lately. We've been dealing with, and, and there are some people that, I'll, put, I'll, I'll be vague about it. They don't, they're, they're, not, they're not involved in church. They don't go, they don't, they, they, at one point they were, but they, they've walked away from God. They've walked away from everything, and they're living their own life. And, and they've been going through some difficulty in their life. And the statement was made to us. Can, can you, they, they asked, can you pray that God would, would bless them and help them? You know what our response was to them? This is going to sound, it's not very loving, right? No! It's, and that the, the, the person asked that was shocked. I'm not going to waste my breath. Why would God bring success to you and your condition? Because that's only going to validate your behavior. In fact, I'm going to pray the opposite. Not only am I going to pray things are bad, I'm going to pray they get worse. Because until it comes to the point where you're willing to lay everything down and say, God, I want you more than anything. You know what? I'm going to say this harsh. You know what? I pray for 2015 for some of you. I pray 2015 is the worst year of your life. You know why? Because I hope 2015 brings you to an altar where you can get on your knees and say, God, somewhere along the line, I have missed this. Somewhere along the line, I've gone astray. But God, whatever it takes, you've got to save me. Don't let me be lost. If it takes some failure, if it takes a few tears, if it takes some hurt, if it takes some pain, if it takes some frustration, it's worth it to bring me to an altar that says, God, whatever you've got to do, let me be saved. Don't let me succeed. Don't let me find success. If success will cause me to be lost, if succeeding will cause me to turn my back on you, bring failure in my life. So that failure would cause me to find an altar that you would be able to strip me of all the stuff that's in me that doesn't belong, that I can be saved, that I can finally be saved because I would rather be saved in frustration than lost in happiness. I would rather be saved in stress than lost in peace. I would rather be saved 
every week finding my way to this altar and everyone thinking, what's up with him? He's messed up and be lost sitting there pretending that everything is okay when it's not. And you know what? I, I'm afraid for some of us, if we truly are going to be saved, we've got some failure in our future. Not because we're bad people, not because we're, 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 we're somehow we've done something wrong, but something's got to get a hold of us to be able to bring us to a place where we realize we've done some things, we've had some errors in our ways, not because we, we, we were not out there doing some great large sin. We're not out there, no, 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 no. no painting the town red and burning it down. We're not doing that. But there's some things in us we've allowed, some complacencies. We've become rooted in the wrong thing. We've got some leaves that are withering. We've become accustomed to living off that two-hour-a-week diet, and we're withering away. Our bones are starting to become weak. Our muscles are becoming smaller because we're trying to live on that two-hour-a-week diet of just, well, I've got to do this because this is what I'm supposed to do, but as soon as I'm done, I've got six days and 22 hours before I have to come back again. I know this is not making anybody excited today I know some of us in here you're going through you're going through hell let's just call it what it is some of us in here today you're facing things you're facing difficulties you're facing things in your family some of you are facing things in your finances some of, some of you are facing things with your health you're, the uncertainty the frustrations the, 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 the potentials of, of all that could take place over the next couple of months. And it's, it's overwhelming. It, it, it's disheartening. It, it's stressful. It, 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 it's just it's fearful. It's everything you can think of. And, I, and, I, and, and to come in here today and, and, and to try to tell you, guess what? It's going to be great and God's gonna, you're going to do great and you're going to make it through it. I, I, I believe that. But the bottom line is you can't make it through that if you stay the way you are. I told my wife this the other day. I grew up, I'm closing here. I grew up in church. I grew up, most of you know that, most of you didn't know me. If you don't know that, my parents are the founding pastors of this church. 34 years ago when I was born, I started coming to church. Growing up in church is, is a great thing in a lot of ways, but it's also a very dangerous thing. Because you can grow up in church and a lot of what we do is just habitual. A lot of what we do is just, man, I've been doing it all my life. I knew how to do it. I knew, I knew, I mean, this stuff was second nature to me. It's all I'd ever known, grow up in a church. Literally, I started coming to three services a week from the very beginning. So you add that up. There's at least 150 services a, a year times 34. It's a lot of church. And growing up, I, I knew, boy, I, I, 
I knew how to do all this stuff. You know, I, I got good at it. I knew how to do the right thing. I knew how to act the right way and, and put on the right persona because that's what I'd always done. But the greatest thing that happened to me in my life was in my later teenage years. I wish I could tell you it was this great prayer meeting where God came down and angels were blowing horns and visions were dancing around in my head of this greatness. That wasn't it. You know, the greatest thing that happened to me was in my teenage years, my late teenage years. I got involved in some failures. And I found out all the stuff in me. And I realized that I was no different than anybody else. I was no different than the person who'd come who had known nothing about God, even though I'd lived my entire life and known nothing but God. I was no different than anybody else. I had the same flesh, the same junk in me. And I needed God just as much as anybody else. So today, when I realized that, it was a salvation moment for me. I know it doesn't seem like a big deal for some of us here today, from my perspective, when I found out I needed God just as much as anybody else. And without Him, I was just as likely to end up with a messed up life as anybody else. I didn't get exempt because of how I grew up. I didn't get exempt because of, of what my name was or any of that. When I found out what was in me, in my members, as the Bible says... And I realized, God, if you don't save me, I have no hope. I wish that was the last time I've had that prayer. He does a great job of reminding me that a lot. Some of you, you came to God with that attitude. You came out of that contrast of, 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 of all the mess and the chaos and came to Him and you saw the contrast of what God can do somehow along the way you've become good at what we do we're good at it we know when to say amen we know the songs to sing we know how to act we know when to smile and not to smile we know when to say the right things and do the right deal but we've got all this stuff working in our lives but really nothing's truly happening because we've got our tree planted in the wrong place. So Trisha come. I'm challenging someone today. Some of us need a fresh moment of salvation. What did the Bible say? Today. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Some of us need to be saved all over again today. You say, well, I, I, I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got baptized. No, 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 no. I'm not saying you need to be redeemed all over again. You need to be saved all over again. 
You, you need to come to that, that realization today that God, you got to do something in my life. There's some things in me, God, that I know that, that don't need to be there. There's some things in me that don't belong. You've got to save me. The song we used to sing for years is, For above all else, I must be saved. Whatever you've got to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. You know what? I could echo, I'm sure she would say the same thing. I don't want to go back through 2014 again. I don't want to do that. I wouldn't volunteer for that if you paid me. But you know what? If 2014 gets me saved, I'd repeat it every year on here on out. Do I want happiness and peace and prosperity and all that stuff? Yes! But the Bible says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better to go to heaven with one eye than hell with two. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Because it's better to go to heaven with one hand than hell with two. If your foot offends you, cut it off. Better to go to heaven with one foot than hell with two. You know what? Some of us, we're going to make it to heaven incomplete. We're not all going to walk across that pearly gates with pristine lives. Some of us, the the things that we're praying for, to God to take care of, He's not going to take care of it. Why? It's going to leave it there because that's what's going to keep me following my way back to Him. Follow my way back to Him. Follow my way back to Him. I got to amputate some things out of my life. I have to amputate them because it's not worth keeping them. If, if I've got to go to... If I've got to go to heaven with with my eyes plucked out and have to be led around, it's worth it to be able to see everything and end up lost. Bottom line, folks, I want God to help every person in here. And and I I wish you could come here today with a a message of love and compassion and I could hug each and every one of you and pray with you and weep with you and ask God to heal you and ask God to help you and ask God to just, just, just give you all kinds of warm, wonderful feelings today. I wish we could do that. But bottom line is when it all boils down to it, it comes down to one simple thing. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost. I'm so, I'm so beyond myself watching people give 20 and 25 and 30 years to this and then walk away. My God, if you're going to walk away, walk away after the first year. But after 30 years of this, don't walk away when you're that close. Don't quit the race when the finish line is in front of you. Quit when you're still stretching, when you're still warming up. There's some of you, 
I, I don't want you to quit because I don't know how much longer this thing is going to last, but I know now we're closer to the finish line than ever before. And you know what? If I've got to pull you, grab you, carry you, wheel you in a cart, we got to do whatever we've got to do to be saved. And that means we've got to be amputated. If we've got to be blind, if our ears have got to be cut off, whatever it takes, I've got to be saved. If that means I've got to say goodbye to relationships. If that means this has got to go and that's got to go and this can't happen and that got to happen and that dream will never be fulfilled and that desire will never be fulfilled. It's worth it. got everything right now that you were praying for if every prayer was answered would you be closer to heaven after those prayers were prayed if every prayer you're asking God to answer right now if those prayers were answered would it get you closer to heaven if you can't say yes to that you're praying the wrong thing yeah God I want I want a better car I want a better house I want you to do this, I need a better job, and all that's all that's important, it is important, I want to sit here and tell you that's vain, come on, we all want the best we can get, alright nothing wrong with that but if God answers that is that going to get me any closer to heaven bottom line I just want to be saved I want to be saved be saved. I don't know about you. I don't. I can't speak for you. But if you're here today, why are you here? Because without Him, you're built to fail. The Bible says, "With Him, all things are possible." There's some of us need to take an inventory in our life and realize somewhere along the right, we've we've missed the whole point of this. We've missed this whole thing. We've made this out to be something it's not. We've fallen into the trap of making God out to be the butler, the genie. Every Sunday we'll come and rub the bottle and he'll pop out and say, what do you like today? We say, God, fix this. Thank you. I'll see you next week. And he's so much more than a genie. He's a savior. He didn't say, I come to seek and to bless the poor. He said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's you and me. It doesn't matter if you grew up in, in a drug house or you grew up in a pastor's house. He came to seek and save you and me because we're all lost without him. We're all lost without him. We're lost without him. We're lost without him. We've got to find him again, folks. You've got to find him again. If that means you've got to crawl your way to an altar and say, God, somewhere along the line, I've missed it. We've got to find Jesus again. Can we bow our heads? Jesus, I'm asking you today, Lord, make yourself real and known to us like never before. God, I can't do this. I can't make this happen on my own. God, I'm praying right now that your spirit would move in this place in a fresh and mighty way. That your spirit of conviction, your spirit of love, your spirit of hope would move in this place today, God. 
Lord, you came to us 2,000 years ago. You died on a cross. You gave yourself up for us. You shed your precious blood for us today, God. Lord, I'm asking you, Jesus, to give us a fresh revelation of the power of Calvary, to give us a fresh revelation of heaven and hell, to understand that ultimately, Lord, it's about being saved. If you never answer another prayer again, if you never heal us again, if you never supply one more need, but God, that you allow us to be saved. Don't let me be lost. 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 Is there anybody today that you're willing to get out of your seat and come down and stand and say, God, whatever you've got to do, don't let me be lost. Come on, does anybody want to pray that today? And say, Lord, I just want to tell you this. I'm giving you permission. Whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, I may not like it. I may not understand it. But I'm asking you, God, do whatever you've got to do that I can be saved. Don't let me be lost. Come on, tell them that. Say, God, I may not understand it. I may get frustrated. I may get angry. I may even get mad and accuse you. But if it's what keeps me saved, I'm asking you, God, to do it. I may not understand it. I may not see it all in this life. I may not get it all until we get to the other side. But, God, I just want to be saved. I just want to be saved. Don't let me be lost. Don't let me be lost. Jesus, don't let me be lost. Don't let me be lost. God, there's things in me I want. God, there's desires I need. But if those things, getting those things cause me to be lost, don't let me have them. No matter how much I want them, God, don't let me have them. Oh, come on, there's several more that need to make a move. I know you may think it in your mind, but you need to give a fresh commitment to God that says, God, I want to be saved. No matter what, I've got to be saved. No matter what you got to do to me, whatever you got to take me through, I've got to be saved. Oh, come on, that's it. This is a very personal thing between you and him. Come on. You and Jesus, just for this moment. You and Him. God, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Don't let me be lost. Don't let me be lost. Don't let me be lost. Oh. If you've got to bring me into failure, let me go into failure. If I've got to go into hurt, let me be hurt. If I've got to suffer pain, let me suffer pain. If I've got to suffer loss, let me suffer loss. Whatever it takes, God, I've got to be saved. I've got to be saved. Come on, that's it. The Lord is moving in this place. Come on, that's it. Just take a moment. It's still early. It's still early. Is your soul worth 10 minutes? Is your eternal soul worth 10 minutes? Saying, God, save me. Save me. Don't let this become about religion with me. Don't let me fall into the trappings of religion, the habits of religion. God, let me be saved. Let me be saved. Let me be saved. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, we need you, Jesus. We need you today, God. Oh.
here as a prayer and I want you to make it your prayer make it your prayer for 2015 Lord I gotta be saved whatever you've got to do to me don't let me be lost that's my prayer this year God that's my desire that's the cry of my heart Lord save me
ask you, Jesus. Lord, without your grace and mercy in our lives, we are nothing. I pray, God, a special blessing of grace and mercy on each and every one of us, Lord, to become what you've called us to become and to let go of the things that we need to let go of. By your grace and by your mercy, Lord, let these things come to pass. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, praise God. God bless you. Don't forget, for those of you tonight, church, 6 o'clock, God bless you. Hope to see you again next week. God bless you.